everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Anabaptist Perspectives. And I'm here with Elijah again, Elijah Yoder from Sharon Mennonite Bible Institute. So do you agree that, that with the idea that Mennonites, Anabaptists do evangelism, mission work, that kind of thing, um, different than non-Anabaptists, like, you know, mainstream evangelical or Protestant? Um, and if so, in what ways? In actuality, sometimes the methods that Anabaptist missionaries use are very similar to Protestants, and that's one of the problems that we've had in missions. We as Anabaptists have historically held to trying to live a holy lifestyle and not follow the things of our culture, hence we we dress differently, we are non-resistant, we don't go to war, Uh, our ladies wear the veiling. But when missionaries have gone to the field, and this happened mostly in my generation, the missions that were started in the 1930s, 1940s, and 1950s in conservative Mennonite circles went onto the mission field and it was a new thing for them. So they went, how are we going to teach and what do we do? They pretty much followed the, the Protestants in what they did. Uh, they did Bible schools and they did a lot of work with children. And none of those things are wrong in themselves, but they were, they were typically following the methods of the Protestants. But they expected the results to be different than the Protestants. Well, those, a lot, that first generation that grew up, it, yes, they did. They had some success in missions, but n- the people didn't really understand the heart reason for what was going on, and they, d- they didn't understand the whole principle of discipleship and how it was connected with salvation. Missionaries are going out to save and bring salvation, but they didn't follow up on discipleship and one-on-one relationships. Mm -hmm. And almost all of those missions that were started in the 1920s and 30s and 40s are pretty much lost conservative principles. They lost the veiling, they lost non-resistance, they lost non-conformity to the world. And Obviously, there's a lot of reasons that go into that, but one reason is simply that Mennonite missionaries didn't evaluate their methods. Okay, so like in a, in a way, like the methods ended up influencing their doctrine. And, oh, yes, and their yeah, definitely, that's, wow, definitely, that's powerful. Def- definitely. And th- in, in some ways, I see that happening today as well. In our history, the Anabaptist emphasis was on adults and okay. one-on-one uh-huh. discipleship and relationship with adults. If, if, if you're a Calvinistic Protestant organization, the, the goal is more just to get people saved and they don't focus on the discipleship follow-up part. It, what we need to do as Anabaptists is focus on relationships and, mm-hmm. and not just go out to save people and bring them in and get numbers, but uh, develop one-on-one relationships and follow up and disciple and teach. Mm-hmm. Teaching proper teaching of biblical principles and what the Word of God says, and also just being there with the people, loving them, and developing one-on-one relationships, whether it's in the mission field or at home. It's one of the things that's really lacking in our circles today, is that sort of one-on-one mentoring and relationships. That's, yeah, that's really interesting, though, because you have, especially more historically, that was a, a, a cornerstone of Anabaptism, was community and discipling and a lot more um, personal interaction with people. And you were asking somewhat of the methods that Mennonite missionaries use and how they uh, uh-huh. differ. In some ways, the methods haven't always been different. And I'm suggesting one of the keys to Mennonite missionaries is we're going to be successful in really planting churches that are, that are discipling 
others and following the Lord, not just in belief, but also in principle and lifestyle, is we're going to have to develop one-on-one -on -one relationships and discipling mm -hmm. and, and teaching. I remember the, when I was here as, as a, uh, a student, I did my thesis on teaching Anabaptist principles on the mission field. Mm -hmm. And I remember the first missionary that I sat down with to do an interview with, and it was Jacob Koblenz, who was a missionary in, in, uh, in Mexico and Texas. And I, I was, my goal was to try to figure out what is it that the methods that Mennonite missionaries need to use. And I came in fully prepared with all kinds of questions to ask him, what kind of methods did you use? Because I looked at his mission, and they, were, they seemed to be fairly successful in, mm -hmm. in teaching biblical principles and being non-resistant and wearing the veiling and, and uh, following Christ in life. And so I asked him a few questions, and he said, just love the people. I asked him a few more questions, and he said, well, just love the people. And that's all he would say is love, love, love. And I got kind of frustrated with the guy, love, love. Well, but that is the answer. It's not, it's not in methods. It's not in so much what you do. And it's not that methods don't work. But if you're going to do kids' clubs, the way you're going to bring those kids into the church is by one-on-one -on -one relationships and loving them. I was just at a, at, a, at a church that's been doing kids' clubs for 20, 30 years. And they finally had their first, first person that they've actually baptized and brought into the church. It's been a long, hard struggle. But that, that came about because, not because of the kids' club so much, but because some young people in the church took that young fellow under their wings and walked with him on a daily basis. And that's, that's, where, that's uh, where the rubber meets the road. Um, that's a lot harder to do. <laughs> it's, a, it's a lot harder than to run a vacation Bible school or a kids' club or a revival meetings. Those things aren't all wrong, but uh, it, it's going to be hard work, one-on-one -on -one relationships. In what ways then, like Mennonites, Anabaptists, I and mean, you can pick them out, they're pretty clearly different from the rest of culture. Um, how has our, like some, some people argue that that is detrimental to our witness. Um, how has that, you know, main culture going this way and we're, we've decided to def a different path, how has that been an advantage for us you know, in our mission work? Well, it's an advantage or a disadvantage sometimes if you are not loving the people and you're trying to force them to live or act a certain way or put on a plain coat or a cape dress so that you can get some stars in your crown with the people back home it's not going to work very well uh, you you might get the people to do that so so that they can get your money they'll gladly do it mm. to get your money and that's been a problem sometimes mm. but if you love them and they can feel the love of Christ coming through you, then those things are not difficulties, they're not barriers. In fact, when people understand what the veiling means, what it's for, when they understand why you're doing the things you are, uh, and it has a, it has a relationship, it, it, it's going to be powerful. Hmm. And, and then when that happens, that is an advantage, isn't oh, it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because that's something that um, I've, I've run into a lot, you know, with different organizations. Some, they're often on one extreme or the other. They're just like, our culture is weighing us down, so let's get rid of this, you know, these, these cultural things that are actually a lot deeper than just culture. Um, they're, you know, principles that we believe in. And then they're like, well, but we can reach more people if we put those things aside. But then you have the flip side of that. And so you'll have some organizations that like, well, if people want to, you know, come join their church, they have to dress up a very specific way and do very specific things. And I guess so what you would be saying is like find the middle ground in a sense to where you, you keep these things that are really valuable but at the same time focus on the people and loving them. And is that... Well, let me, let me just give you an, an example of, of one issue, the whole issue of divorce and remarriage. 
Okay. We, we have taken what I think is a clear biblical stand against divorce and remarriage. And that can be, that can be difficult because you say, well, we're shutting people out. Uh, well, I have seen people throw that aside, but then what happens in the next generation? If, so what happens if you have divorce and remarriage in your church? You wind up with broken homes and, and young people who are hurting because of that. Uh, and, I, and so is, is having a strong stance on divorce and remarriage a hindrance? Well, it, yeah, it, it, in, in one sense, it's going to, you say it's going to shut people out. Well, open up the doors and you're going to bring hurt and pain into the church hmm. down the road. Uh, I was just doing some reading about revival here, uh, and someone made the comment that sometimes we think revival is going to increase numbers in the church, and it does sometimes. But one pastor wrote that our church had revival and half the church left. Okay. The reason is is because they, they, they refused and they didn't want to follow uh, biblical principles. They wanted to go their own way. And so... I would much rather have a church of 50 that is on fire for the Lord than a church of 200 that is following the world and has nothing attractive to offer. And that's where the rubber really does meet the road then. If we really do believe these things, when we go to mission, to, to do mission work and go to the mission field, um, will, will we just kind of put these things aside so that we can win more people, you know, supposedly? Um, yeah, that makes sense. And I, I remember working with, this is a number of years back, we did a, a Bible study, several of us from the local church did a Bible study with a, a young man, and he had been, he had been divorced, well, he, okay, he was divorced and was single at the time, mm -hmm. and he came to the Lord, became a Christian, started coming to our local Mennonite church, and... He got offended. I, I don't know the whole story, but he got offended by some of the people, and, and uh, he, he wound up leaving and going to Seventh-day Adventist Church. Wow. And he, you know, he quit eating meat, he quit working on Saturday, and, and he, all these, these strict things he picked up on. And some of us had been thinking, well, the, the Mennonite church was, was a burden to him, and all these cultural things were what kept him away. And no, that wasn't the answer. It was... It was it was because of relational issues. Mm -hmm. He wasn't feeling love, and so he went to a different group that had stricter standards, different ones perhaps, but uh, it was because he felt love there. And so that's what I say. It's not, I don't, I don't believe that, that uh, biblical principles are going to be a handicap to reaching out to people, but if we're not loving them, then those things can be. On the other hand, I do think we do have to be careful about differentiating between what is culture and what is Bible. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think yeah, you, made, you made a good point that a lot, of, a, a lot of the things we believe, yes, they're cultural in some senses, but they're deeply rooted in, in mm -hmm. the biblical background. And maybe just the particular way we're practicing them might be culturally influenced, but it came from the text. You know? Yeah, yeah. Even, even things like uh, I, I know sometimes in our in my classes and discussions we kind of laugh at our work ethic and we <laughs> work hard. Yeah. And, and yeah, that that can be overdone. But but uh, we we are to work with our hands. Mm -hmm. And and in in our culture today, when you when you throw aside the Mennonite work ethic, what do you wind up with? You wind up with people that are they they don't know how to work. They they're, they're scrounging and wanting everybody else to feed them, and, and you wind up with a, a welfare system. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, can it be overdone? Yeah, but 
on the other hand, I, I, I think you said it well that some of our, our uh, cultural things are rooted in biblical principles. And on the mission field, it's important that missionaries don't just take along their culture, but they take the love of God with them. And then, and then you've got something attractive to the people out there. Yeah. Yeah. I like how you keep doing kind of what you were saying when you were researching your thesis, you know, just love them. You keep bringing it back around to that. I really like that. That's really... Well, yeah, that that, like, that, that first that. guy had me so frustrated, <laughs> and and I, you know, I, but I wound up writing my whole thesis around the fruit of the spirit, okay. and basically, okay. my my thesis was that if you if you have the fruit of the spirit in your life, that is the key, really, mm. to teaching Anabaptist principles. So how would you respond that? Because like there are some people out there that would say that our yeah our particular interpretation of the Bible is deter deters people from joining our, us um, can be a handicap. Um, for our churches. And I know you kind of covered that in the previous question a little bit, but yeah, what would be something you would say to someone like that? I, again, I think the, the answer is, is that if we are holding cultural applications above what Scripture says, yeah, it can be a detriment. But again, it, it goes back to what is the basis for the things we're doing. If it's coming out of a love for God, and if it's... if I, I have found in my own life that if I am, if I have a relationship with God and I'm doing what I am doing because of my love for God, not to just to impress the people around me or to fit in, that, that's what's key. We, we are, our actions have to come out of our heart. Mm -hmm. And otherwise it is going to be a detriment. If, if, we're, if, we're, if we're living a life where we're externally trying to do things to impress people, mm -hmm. um, it, it's going to be detrimental. People will see through that. And so if it's not really coming from in, out of a real, true, deep belief, then yeah, then, it, then it's hypocrisy really, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. 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 And that's something Jesus wasn't too easy on. Well, I think that's a, that's a great way to end this episode. Thank you everyone for watching and uh, for taking the time to, to join us. Um, we upload new videos every week, so yeah, stick around, maybe subscribe, uh, share the video if you learned something. If you want to see us cover a topic that hasn't been covered already, just comment it and uh, we'll make sure and, and see if we can do that. So anyway, thanks for watching and we'll see you guys in the next video. Thank you for listening to Anabaptist Perspectives. Your listening and sharing this with friends helps more people find our episodes. A special thanks to all of you who support Anabaptist Perspectives financially. We are here because of you. If you haven't had the chance to give yet this year, would you consider making a year-end donation? You can donate on our website or by check. Thank you so much for listening and supporting Anabaptist Perspectives. Thank you for joining us for this episode. We invite you to join our monthly partner program. Monthly partners are key to the financial sustainability of Anabaptist Perspectives. Partners also gain access to bonus content, including our exclusive podcast where we respond to audience questions and comments. Sign up at anabaptistperspectives.org.